first thing I'm going to say is, is in order to have the right goal, you have to have the right perspective. Okay? So I'm going to read to you a story that I thought was very amusing. <laughs> and I, it, there's actually an argument on if this story is true or not. I don't know. I thought it was a great illustration. So two battleships assigned to the training squad, squadron had been at sea on maneuvers in heavy weather for several days. And this is from the perspective of someone who was on board. He says, I was serving on the lead battleship and was on watch on the bridge as night fell. The visibility was poor with patch fog. So the captain remained on the bridge, keeping an eye on all activities. Shortly after dark, the lookout on the wing of the bridge reported light bearing on the starboard bow. So the, the captain responds, is it steady or moving astern? The lookout replied, it's steady, captain, which meant we were on a dangerous collision course with that ship. The captain then called to the signalman, signal that ship. We are on a collision course. Advise you change course 20 degrees. Back came a signal, advisable for you to change course 20 degrees. The captain said, I'm a captain. Change your course 20 degrees. The response, I'm a seaman second class. You had better change course 20 degrees. By that time, the captain was furious. He spat out, send, I'm a battleship. Change course 20 degrees. Back came the flashing light. The response was, I'm a lighthouse. So we, we read this and we can understand perspective is important when setting a direction. So the reality is this. You know, you had this, this captain angry that the other one was responding, change your course. And he's responding, no, change your course. But there's a reality that one was right. One was wrong. In John 8, verse 12, it says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So we, we read this scripture and we can have some clarity that when Jesus says he is the light of the world, it is not us calling Jesus saying change. It's Jesus telling us change. We have to adjust. We have to have a course correction. We don't, we don't speak to the, the Bible. We don't speak to who Jesus is and say, you need to change. Times have changed. You're not relevant anymore. Right? Jesus says, no, you change. Matthew 5, 11 through 16 is, is a very interesting presentation of this. If, uh, maybe I can have uh, two volunteers. Uh, Matthew 5, 11 through 13, someone can read. And then 14 through 16. Okay, so 5 verse 11 says this, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Okay, so there's a, a preface, right? He sets it up for us to understand the context that it is not because they hate you per se. It is because they hate him, right? 
the, the world, as soon as you uh, say you're a Christian, you're almost a target. You, the world were all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And then verse 14, or I'm sorry, verse 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So Jesus in the book of John says, I am the light of the world. In the book of Matthew, he says, you are the light of the world. Understand this. Understand this. And this this is where um, a lot of people can get confused because you can go into a restaurant, right? And let's say... Let's say I was taking some great pictures of you, posting it on social media, and somebody says, hey, I saw you on that church's website or that church's, uh, you know, Facebook or Instagram, whatever. Then, then let's say you're in that picture, you walk into a restaurant, they recognize you from the church, automatically, they, you're representing Jesus, you're representing the church, you're a Christian. The, the thing is this, though, what happens is we don't feel like that. We feel like, no, 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 not me. Not me. No, no, no. <laughs> I was just there. You know, like, you're looking at the wrong person. But the reality is this. To the world, we are a light. We are somebody that should represent the love of Christ. But the thing is this. To some, we may be as a lighthouse for them. We may be something that they look at and think, like, I need to live like them. They're doing right. But I love what one minister said, we are not the source of light, we are the reflection. And I thought that was good. That's Because they're looking at us, but we know we're not the source. We know we're not the ones that is creating this light. We're simply a reflection of who he is. Culture will always tell us to change our course. It will always, it will always speak against any position you have uh, you know, for popular opinion, whatever it would be, culture and popular opinion will always speak of its role in order to change what the Word of God says. For example, there is uh, uh, plenty of arguments and positions that the whole world can hold right now in different areas. Um, one of them, uh, we won't be too controversial, so, but I would say this, the, the uh, goal is to adjust accordingly to the light, not the world. We don't adjust to what the world is saying. We adjust to what the word is saying. We say, Lord, we're trying to go this direction. Is this correct? And the whole world may say, no, you're wrong. You're, you're no, 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 no. But the reality is this. We're, we are not looking to anything else other than the source of light. Good goals cannot be set without having clarity and healthy perspective. We all know that. In any, theolo- or, uh, any psychological position even, you know, you could say this. Uh, there's been plenty of studies, right? Uh, the person that says, I'm going to lose weight, right? That's the statement of the year. I'm going to lose weight. But there's, there's this, this question that may follow. Well, how many pounds? Most of the time, it's a, I don't know. Or, you know, 50 pounds, something crazy, right? You're like, I'm going to lose 50 pounds in two weeks. I'm going to learn a new language. Which one? Whichever is easiest. Those responses, we all know, will not bring a a result. 
because they have no direction. They have no clarity. It's just an emotional response to like, you know, it's the new year, new resolution, new year, new me. Versus someone saying, I'm going to change my eating habits this year. That's good. You'll probably lose some weight too, right? I'm going to plan a visit to Finland. So I'm going to try and learn some Finnish, right? These, these positions of setting a goal come from a healthy perspective and an unhealthy perspective. There's a, a goal that's set and it's something that's going to happen that results in something that we desire as a byproduct of what we discipline ourselves to do. The simple way would be this. I'm going to know Jesus more this year. You may act like a Christian. Versus, I'm going to be the most devoted Christian this year. <laughs> That's, we all fail at that. Right? You're on the freeway, you failed. We know what you say. No, <laughs> right? We all fail at that. But there's a goal that's set and it's anchored in this place of saying, I want relationship with my Father in heaven. What does that mean? Does it mean you're perfect? No. It means that you're pursuing relationship with him. So then you have this thing that's there as an anchor of you're moving forward, you're moving in the right direction with a healthy perspective. Goals for the Christian are not set to be flippant. A good goal for the Christian is to be a disciple, is to say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to I have relationship with you. I want to be able to know who I am in you. Meaning like this, the world will tell you you're not good enough, you're, you're not smart enough, you're not attractive enough, you're not uh, successful enough, your side hustle is a, a weak side hustle. You know, like they, all these things will come against you. you you'll see somebody, they're, the guys that teach you how to make money, and the way they make money is teaching you how to make money. <laughs> And they don't really do anything else except that. So it's kind of like, that's interesting. Anyway, uh, so the point would be this. Like, it's like that you have all these things that push against you and tell you how you're not successful. But when the Word of God teaches us who we are in Christ, and that's our definition, nothing else. There's a, there's a scene in a movie in English. It's called Wretched, okay? But in French, it's, uh, I'm, I'm going to butcher the name. We say it the American way, Les Miserables, right? Everybody, you've heard of that, right? No? Maybe? Okay. It's like Les Miserables, I don't know. <laughs> um, but there's, there's this scene in this movie, and, and there's this character, uh, Jean Valjean, and he, he's in this scene, he's an angry prisoner, Right, and the and the movie is is goes through his life and how he changes from being this angry prisoner to a warm, kind, generous soul. Right, and and in this movie, there's a sort of a, a fulcrum, right, in the in the scene that he has with this priest, and it's interesting. So, this was a book or, or a musical, basically, and in this scene, this guy is a criminal. He's a, he's a criminal. He's, he's known by that. That's, that's his identity. That's what he does. And he is treated with generosity by this bishop, right? This priest. And he, the priest uh, lets him come and stay in his house, you know, gives him a, a warm bed, uh, something to eat, treats him like a human being, right? This guy's a prisoner, criminal. He's like a reject of society. This priest brings him in. And that criminal does what criminals do, and he steals from the priest. He steals this silverware, and he starts making his way out, and he gets caught. 
And the, and the people that catch him bring him back to the priest. And they, they found all the valuables he had stolen, which was the silverware, all the things that they had of value that put on the table. So they bring him back to the priest with all the stuff he stole. They present him and they present we, to the priest, we brought your values, valuables back. You know, do you want to press charges, basically? But the, the priest utters these words. He, he basically takes the other silverware that the guy didn't steal. And he says, you forgot these two. And the police are like, what? He's like, yeah, I gave him that. He didn't steal. I gave it to him. So then he gets all the other stuff and he gives it to him too. He says, you forgot this stuff too. And, and he, he basically, instead of accusing and, and saying, he's a thief, he stole from me, and he did. He righteously had a, a, a moment to say the truth and, and condemn this guy back into prison. But he gives him everything he has there. And he says, this is yours. You forgot this too. And the, the priest says to Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil, but to good. It is your soul that I buy from you. I withdraw it from black thoughts and the spirit of perdition, and I give it to God. In the original uh, text of the musical, he says, but remember this, my brother, see in this some higher plan. You must use this precious silver to become an honest man. By the witness of the martyrs, by the passion and the blood, I have raised you out of darkness. I have bought your soul for God. And we think about that. We think about goals, right? This man probably didn't have a goal to continue in, in running from the police, being a prisoner, but it's all he knew. And this priest steps into his life, and now this man's goal is given a new opportunity, a new hope to say, you're not what you were. I'm giving you an opportunity right now, and you can change. And the reality is this. When Christ died on the cross, he bought our souls. And all the goals that we have, whether they're self-centered, uh, uh, self-benefit, you know, they're, they're for us, for us to be whatever. We have to be reminded that the context and the purpose of moving forward is in the blood of Jesus that we were purchased away from our sin. We were given an opportunity to not live in the ugliness anymore. In Philippians 3, 12 through 14. It says this. Um, actually, if someone can read that, please. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Uh, 3, 12 through 14. In verse 14, I, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. But I love how he like, sets it up. I, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. So let's, let's make it very clear. When, when we're in our Christian walk, there are things, and we talked about this in, in the men's group, uh, that we surrender, right? So we surrender a couple things. We surrender the good and the bad. The, the bad could be like we surrender um, all the things that had gone on. We say, Lord, I was hurt by that. Those people are messed up. They shouldn't have done that to me. You know, whatever hurt us, we can surrender that. We can say, Lord, you can take that, Okay. But the other thing we surrender is the good thing. The, the things that we felt, I did that. I accomplished that. I set a goal and I finished that. And we're able to surrender it and say, Lord, the good and the bad, I'm surrendering to you. To say, it's not, it's not, I'm not the success. Like, 
if, if I look at the good and we say, man, like, that's valuable, that's good things, that's awesome. But Paul teaches us to let it go. To say, like, the good that happened was good, but we let it go. Because if you start calculating all the good, you'll start to think that you're good. You'll start to think that you're a great person, right? It's like the, the, the husband-wife relationship, right? So the husband can come in and, uh, you know, take the trash out. They take the trash out and they come back in and demand the response, look what I've done, <laughs> right? right? The value of me as the husband. And, and the wife can look around and say, like, but your clothes are everywhere around the house. You know, like, you know, you didn't, you made breakfast and you left all the ditch, dishes out there. But look what I've done. I took the trash out, right? So we look to the good and we omit all the bad. And that's where the Bible teaches us, let go of the good. Because you're not that good. You're forgetting all the bad you did too. And that's where the part that we get to say, Lord, I'm going to make a goal to know you. He begins to teach us. We begin to see a reflection, right, of who he is. And then we see who we are. And we're like, oh, man, I don't like this. <laughs> like, I love when people would ask me, you know, what is it like being in full-time missions or going in full-time ministry and going overseas? I said, it's like God puts a mirror in front of you. And you're like, I don't want to look. Because you realize that there's all these things that are wrong. Right? And, and that's like when, when God's speaking to you, it's, it's to really shape you. It's to challenge you. To say, take care of that. Change that. Don't live like that anymore. Why do you think like that? No one taught you that. You know, like th there's a reality of a check in your life. I remember uh, Americans, our friends, coming into uh, the countries we would live in. And we would blatantly see how the American mindset was the dominant way of thinking anywhere we went. One example is that in Eastern Europe, they don't do great customer service. They don't. You know, uh, uh, Martha's traveled, right? <laughs> you know, they, they just kind of ignore you. It's almost like you're bothering them by being there. Like you walk into a restaurant. There's no, hi, welcome. You know, can I take you to your seat? There's none of that. There's no, there's no young person with a menu, you know, like, smile, you know, first three seconds they walk in, make sure they greet, you know, none of that. You walk in, and it's like, oh, like, that, that's the attitude, it's like, oh, we gotta work, you know, like, and uh, that's just the way it is, right? We got used to it. You know, we'd walk in, we'd like, you know, like, that table, okay, like, cool, yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah, I go sit there, like, okay, cool, thank you. You know, we got used to it. Our friends would come in and be like, man, the customer service here is horrible, and it'd be like, that's kind of, that's just the way it, like, they would get angry, right? Bothered them. And then they would ask for things like ranch, <laughs> ranch dressing. Believe it or not, guys, it's not available in every country in the world. <laughs> so you go into a restaurant and you're with our American friends and they're like, you know, they order French fries. You know, do you guys, you know, can I get a side of ranch? The person is like, what? Like, you know, like, what are you talking about? Ranch, you know, and they're like, you know, ranch dressing so I could dip my fries. You know, they get all crazy. They get all mad. The server's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And, we, and Vanessa and I would be laughing like, like, ranch doesn't exist here. And we wouldn't tell them until, like, you know, they were angry already. So, and the thing was this, that it was just kind of like, you have to learn 
to let go of what you're used to. You have to. That, that's the, the journey that God takes us on. We have to learn to let go of what we're used to, the good and the bad. Because then we can trust fully in him, know who he is. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to ask Pastor Moncha to come up. Melvin, you can come and strum. Um, but the, the closing thought here, again, like I said in the beginning, in order to have the right goal, you have to have the right perspective. Your whole life this year will be centered around something. One of the greatest goals you can set is to make that something Jesus. Amen? Let's stand.